Hey, this is Dr. Patty Sadala. Welcome to my Experience Jesus podcast. In this how-to and identity episode, we will look at one of the names Jesus called himself, the Good Shepherd. How are we like sheep? And what does this relationship between the shepherd and the sheep have to do with your Christian life? While teaching the parable of the Good Shepherd, Jesus said in John 10:11, I am the Good Shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his own life for the sheep. Let's look at each key word in this verse and learn what we can about why Jesus named himself this. I am is I me, the self-existing God who was, is, and always will be. Good is kalos, which means beautiful, of noble character, hope, praiseworthy, excellent, goodness, admirable, superior, wholesome, delightful. The word shepherd is poimain, which means protector, ruler, caretaker. This is the same word for pastor, which is someone the Lord raises up to care for the total well-being of the flock. Lays down is tetemi, which means selfless, willing to set down, lay aside, put in place, establish, and ordain. The word life is su che, which means vital breath, soul, self. Sheep in this context is referring to Jesus' people, and the word for sheep means sheep. But it was interesting to learn that the origin word for sheep is probeno, which means to go forward, to advance. Putting this all together, Jesus' role as our good shepherd is to move us forward by caring, guiding, protecting, defending us. Let's look at the entire parable of the Good Shepherd in pieces so we can truly understand what this name is all about. Jesus shared this parable because shepherding was central to their cultural reality at the time. God speaks in your language, and that just doesn't mean English or French or German. He speaks in the vernacular of your common experience. Because shepherding is not commonly understood for many in our own culture, it helps to give some cultural context to this name. John 10, 1 through 8 says, I assure you and most solemnly say to you, he who does not enter by the door into the sheepfold, but climbs up from some other place on the stone wall, that is the one that is a thief and a robber. He who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep, the protector and provider. The doorkeeper opens the gate for this man and the sheep hear his voice and pay attention to it. And knowing that they listen, he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out to pasture. What we learn in these few verses in this parable is that the good shepherd, in part, is another name for the Savior. Jesus is speaking of the exclusive way to salvation here. Many religions try to leap over the fence and believe that they can receive salvation their own way. But Jesus is making it clear that he is the door and the doorkeeper. And verse 4 continues, When he has brought all his sheep outside, he walks on ahead of them, and the sheep follow him because they know his voice and recognize his call. They will never follow a stranger, but will run away from him because they do not know the voice of strangers. Jesus used this figure of speech with them, but they did not understand what he was talking about. 
So Jesus again said, I assure you and I most solemnly say to you, I am the door for the sheep leading to life. All who came before me as false messiahs and self-appointed leaders are thieves and robbers, but the true sheep did hear them. I am the door. Anyone who enters through me will be saved and will live forever and will go in and out freely and find pasture, spiritual security. The thief comes only in order to steal and kill and destroy. Came that they may have and enjoy life and have it in abundance to the full till it overflows. His sheep know his voice and they know his. Hearing God's voice and following him is a telltale sign of your sealed salvation. Jesus repeats himself here, saying the same message in the first. Whenever scriptures repeated, it is reinforcing the importance of a message. It is also important to note that we have the ability to listen and follow him. The parable continues in verse 11. I am the good shepherd, and the good shepherd lays down his own life for the sheep. But the hired man who merely serves for wages, who is neither the shepherd nor the owner of the sheep, when he sees a wolf coming, deserts the flock and runs away, and the wolf snatches the sheep and scatters them. The man runs because he is a hired hand who serves only for wages and is not concerned about the safety of the sheep. We have already looked at what makes Jesus a good shepherd. In these verses, we learn that a bad shepherd is more selfish and not willing to lay his life down for the sheep. Verse 14 continues, I am the good shepherd, and I know without any doubt those who are my own and my own know me and have a deep personal relationship with me. Even as the Father knows me and I know the Father, and I laid down my very own life, sacrificing it for the benefit of the sheep. I have other sheep besides these that are not yet in the fold. I must bring those along also, and they will listen to my voice and pay attention to my call, and they will become one flock with one shepherd. For this reason the Father loves me, because I laid down my own life so that I may take it back. No one takes it away from me. But I lay it down voluntarily. I am authorized and have power to lay it down and to give it up. And I am authorized and have power to take it back. This command I have received from my Father. Jesus makes it clear in these verses that having a deep personal relationship with him is not just what he desires, but it's what he was willing to die for. His heart's desire is for his sheep to follow him and be blessed. Jesus voluntarily laid his life down for you. What would it mean for you to lay your life down for him? While some are called to lay down their physical lives for the cause of Christ, I believe this is addressing laying down of your days, thoughts, decisions, priorities in favor of his. It is a dying of yourself that Jesus is calling you to so that you may have the ideal life that God has for you. You must also lay your life down voluntarily for him and for others to become who God sees you as already. The ones who do this are his sheep, and they know his voice, and they follow him. Are you one of them? Let's look at some key lessons from Psalm 23, the Shepherd's Psalm. Philip Keller wrote A Shepherd's Guide to Psalm 23 in the 1950s. In his younger years, he was a shepherd in Africa. Keller broke down each verse in Psalm 23 and gave scriptural and cultural insights on sheep and shepherding to clarify what David was really talking about when he penned this psalm. I'll be sharing some of the things I learned from Keller's book. Sheep are among the most helpless animals ever created. They have no defense mechanisms. 
They have no ability to care for themselves, and yet they require meticulous care to survive. Sheep are incredibly fearful, timid, stubborn, and stupid. They have mob instincts, and in that if one panics, they all begin to panic. Sheep have no sense of direction, and without guidance will always get themselves in trouble. God specifically created you as an object of his affections. His heart's desire is to care, guide, protect, and defend you. He knows the safest places to lead you, and all you have to do is follow him. Sheep that are happy and healthy can only be so if they're being cared for by a good shepherd. The same is true for you and me. The Father chose you and called you by name to be one of his flock. The good shepherd delights in taking care of us and does so with perfection. Our job is to acknowledge his leadership and follow him. We will look at the lessons from Psalm 23, one verse at a time. Shepherds care, guide, protect, and defend. Verse 1, the Lord is my shepherd to feed, to guide, and shield me. I shall not want. The love letter that the Lord gave me in 1979, referred to in the God's Love and Your Calling podcast episode, led to a biblical research project on various key words, such as utterly, satisfied, content, fulfilled, and loved. Results of that research gave insight into the relationship between love, satisfaction, and your callings. This is what it means to not want to be content and fulfilled. When we follow the Good Shepherd, we are led perfectly through the challenges of life under his guidance, protection, and strength. God only wants the best for you, and he knows that only he can lead you there safely. Once saved, the enemy's key strategy is to keep you off your destiny. John 10.10 says, The thief comes only in order to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have and enjoy life and have it in the abundance, to the full till it overflows. The world encourages self-improvement, but the Lord knows that satisfaction and fulfillment are only found in Him. Let's take a few minutes to distinguish the difference between the good shepherd and the bad shepherd. There is a distinct razor-sharp earmark cut into every sheep. The carved symbol brands the sheep by its owner, this is so that at a distance, people will know who owns the sheep. Without even seeing the earmark, you can tell if a sheep has a good shepherd or a bad one just by looking at it. If the shepherd is not giving good care, guidance, and protection, the sheep will not be healthy. The Lord explained to me that when you accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you are saved, and you receive a spiritual tattoo on your heart that marks you for Jesus. That tattoo can never be removed. It seals you until the day of salvation. John 10, 28-30 says, And I give them eternal life, and they will never, ever, by any means perish, and no one will ever snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater and mightier than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hand. When you try to follow your own desires and direction, you become your own bad shepherd. It is impossible to compete with the omniperfection of God. So it's unreasonable to assume that your way is higher than his way. Proverbs 14:12 says, There is a way which seems right to a man and appears straight before him, but its end is the way of death. 
Sheep need to keep moving forward. If they don't, they wind up eating where they're eliminating waste and it makes them sick. Left to their own devices, sheep will go back and forth in the same place so much that they can dig ruts so deep they can't get out. This is the same for people. We must keep moving forward in life or our ruts can rob us of our destinies. He cares. Verse 2. He lets, makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still and quiet waters. I have attached a short video of a shepherd teaching how to make a sheep lie down in green pastures. The link to that video is below in the pattyej.podbean.com page for this episode. In the video, the shepherd shows us the difference between making a sheep lie down in green pastures and allowing the sheep to lay down in green pastures. Without realizing it, this shepherd gave us a beautiful picture of what it looks like when Jesus makes us lie down in green pastures. He crossed his arms across the chest of the sheep and knelt down and laid down with it on the ground. When God causes something to get your attention or slow you down, he causes you to stop so he can redirect you. He does the same thing with us. Jesus embraces you, brings you gently to the ground, lays down with you through the trial. The Lord made me lay down in green pastures when I got my Lyme's disease diagnosis. God slowed me down from the work that I was doing and gave me the assignment to write the Clips That Move Mountains book, which included the story of how he wound up healing me of Lyme's disease in that season. I believe that God will do the same thing with you in any season where he needs to get your intention in order to stop your current trajectory and create a pause for you to focus on him. The shepherd in the film shared that he needed to do this process with this particular sheep because she had somehow gotten sick. Had he not made her lay down in green pastures, she could have lost her life. Has there been a time in your life when the Lord made you lay down in green pastures? There are four conditions required for a sheep to be able to voluntarily lay down in green pastures without being made to do so. They must be free of fear. They must be free from friction, tension, and anxiety, free from torment or aggravation, and they must be free from hunger and thirst. Only the shepherd can alleviate these conditions for a sheep. The peace that surpasses understanding is not something that is externally focused. That peace is a gift from God that comes only from tuning to the indwelling Holy Spirit. When you follow God intently, he knows your every need before you do and meets it perfectly. Sheep can be free of fear when they are close to and can see the shepherd, whose job it is to protect them from predators. These livestock animals can become competitive and compete for the shepherd's attention, as well as for feeding grounds, causing tension and anxiety. We live in a culture where competition and relational conflict are everywhere. The good shepherd can easily help us understand our circumstances and help us see things from his eyes so we may reframe our circumstances and find peace. Jumping down to another verse related to care, verse 5b says, You have anointed and refreshed my head with oil. My cup overflows. Sheep are constantly tormented by insects. Particularly maddening are those bugs that climb up into the nostrils of the sheep and lay eggs creating exasperating headaches that can cause the sheep to continually bang their heads against fences to try to find relief. 
Additionally, their thick wool can cause tormenting parasites that create pain and constant itching. Sheep are dipped into vats of an oil concoction that not only alleviates the discomfort, but also repels the bugs to prevent this condition. Distractions, worries, irritations, physical ailments can all prevent us from being able to live the life that God has for us. The solution is abiding. In God's presence, the material substance of God's anointing sticks on you. The more you abide with him, the more his anointed protection will be upon you. This dipping process reminds me of baptism. You go into the water without the ability to fend off these aggravations and rise out of the water a changed person with the ability to avoid and deal with them better because of the power of the Holy Spirit. Oil is a material substance that when prayed over can house the presence of God and have it remain in it. It is used to pray for healing and also represents God's anointing presence. Along with breath, wind, fire, and water, oil is associated with the anointing of the Holy Spirit. On the last night of the Jesus 18 conference I attended, Michael Koulianos was praying a sending out with increased anointing impartation over the participants. He was reciting verses from the Song of Solomon related to the Bride of Christ being prepared for the Bridegroom. Michael made the suggestion that we enter the bridal chamber with Jesus. It was a call for deeper intimacy. My childlike self was dancing with Jesus in the Spirit. My feet were on his feet, and he was swinging me around and smiling. This is an experience I had before, but when Michael suggested that we go into the bridal chamber, Jesus picked me up on his hip and walked me into the room that had what looked like a hot tub filled with oil mixed with pure gold. Jesus held my hand and we walked into the pool and sat with the gold-laced oil up to my chest. I was lifting my arms and watching the thick, glistening gold drip and shimmer from my arms and through my fingers. I started to cry from the overwhelming beauty of the experience. Jesus took my face in his oily hands and wiped a tear from my face. I noticed that he had a tear on his face, too, and that wrecked me even more. And I wiped his tear with my oily thumb. Then I heard Michael Koulianos increase the tempo of the music while crying out for more, more, more anointing. When he did this, Jesus stood up in the small pool and stretched out his arms. And as he did, he grew bigger and bigger, and the pool grew with him. The pool grew so big that I couldn't even see the end of it. Jesus transformed into that giant fire eyes like Daniel saw in his visions. Then Jesus was in the throne room. It was so incredibly beautiful. Words really can't do justice to describe it. The oil and the gold in this encounter was a description of the increasing of God's anointing and the royal nature of my identity as he was sending me out for the calling that he had for me. Spending time in the word of God will wash your mind and purify your thoughts so that you may agree with God's truth and have his strength and comfort. Philippians 4, 8 says, Finally, believers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable and worthy of respect, whatever is right and confirmed by God's word, whatever is pure and wholesome, whatever is lovely and brings peace, whatever is admirable and of good repute. If there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think continually on these things. Center your mind on them and implant them in your heart. He guides. Verse 3. He refreshes and restores my soul, life, 
He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Sheep are the most defenseless of all livestock animals. They have no sharp teeth or claws. They lack a sense of direction. They cannot clean themselves. They are absolutely dependent on the shepherd's care. David was a shepherd in a dry, parched land, and Philip Keller was shepherd in Africa, a similar climate to David. Water for the sheep was a key component to their health. It was interesting to me to learn that dew is the purest water in the world. Sheep can exist on merely the dew from the early morning and late evening that they would find only on the blades of grass. The good shepherd would wake the sheep during these prime times so that they would have the hydration needed for the entire day. And when he would lead them to the brooks of water, he would make sure that it was clean and no sheep would get sick. The good shepherd knows the way and provides the best water for the flock, refreshing with the living water. John 7, 37 to 39 says, Now on the last and most important day of the feast, Jesus stood and called out in a loud voice, If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. And he who believes in me, who adheres and trusts and relies on me, as the scripture has said, from his innermost being will flow continuous rivers of living water. But he was speaking of the Holy Spirit, whom those who believed in him as Savior were to receive afterward. The Spirit had not yet been given, because Jesus was not yet glorified, raised to honor. Those who have chosen Jesus as their Lord and Savior have the Holy Spirit dwelling inside of them. This is the flowing of living water that is accessible for us 24-7. It is the flow of God's mind, will, emotion, and power ready for us to tap into for all of our needs. The Lord described it to me once like electricity. An object like a toaster, for example, requires electricity to perform its purpose. Unplugged, it is dormant and impotent to accomplish its intended purpose. When we are not continually connected to the living water, the Holy Spirit within us, we are not accomplishing our intended purpose. Abiding in the living water is following Jesus' guidance. Here is something that the Lord showed me one day about the living water. I asked Jesus to take me somewhere new in my special place. We walked through a path into the woods lined with vibrant flowers that opened to a stunning river with a great tree at its bank. Flowers were alive, and as Jesus passed, they sang praises to him. The river was flowing with colors, like the rare ones in the Ultimate Crayon Collection, and others I don't think I've ever seen before. The colors were all independently flowing together, but not mixing themselves up. Some were subtle and demanded notice. The water was crystal clear, unlike heavy paint flowing, but fresh, crisp, and clean colored water. The river was magnificent. As I was taking in the beauty of this river, I heard the Stephen Curtis Chapman song, Dive, start to play in my mind. The lyric video for this song is in the pattyej.podbean.com page for this episode, including a link to its lyrics. It's much better for Stephen to sing this song and not me, but here are the lyrics I heard in my spirit. The long-awaited rains have fallen hard upon the thirsty ground and carved their way to where a wild and rushing river can be found. And like the rain, I have been carried here to where the river flows. My heart is racing and my knees are weak. As I walk to the edge, I know there's no turning back. Once my feet have left the ledge, and in the rush I hear the voice, that's telling me it's time to take the leap of faith. So here I go, I'm diving in, I'm going deep, and over my head I want to be, caught in the rush, tossed in the flow, and over my head I want to go. The river's deep, the river's wide, the river's water is alive. So sink or swim, I'm diving in, 
I'm diving in. There is a supernatural power in this mighty river's flow. It can bring the dead to life, and it can fill an empty soul, and give the heart the only thing worth living and worth dying for. But we will never know the awesome power of the grace of God until we let ourselves get swept away into this holy flood. So if you'll take my hand, we'll close our eyes and count to three and take the leap of faith. Come on, let's go. Jesus looked over at me and gave me a nod that said, dive. He wanted me to experience this song. He wanted me to live this song. I was scared, but the next thing I knew, Jesus had taken my hand and we both dove in. The water was a perfect temperature. That was the first thing I noticed. It was the kind of warm that you don't need to get used to for any amount of time. It was deep, and I was still underwater holding my breath. And Jesus said, you don't have to hold your breath under here. Breathe it in. Drink it in. I breathed and drank, and I let the river take me for a while. It felt soothing as I was being gently moved along the river by its constant movement. I could feel the colors flowing through me giving me peace, wisdom, refreshment, and satisfaction. What do the colors mean? I asked. The colors are all aspects of me. They are who I am. I want you to know me. I want you to be acquainted with these facets of me personally. They are treasures of my presence for you to encounter and allow to cover you and fill you inside and outside. They are love, peace, patience, strength, joy, so much more. You can't have these things apart from me. Drink, breathe, and let them envelop you. Let them satisfy you. This is the essence of the living water. Come to the river often so you can continue to experience and know more of who I am. The living water brings growth and vibrancy and abundance to your life because of your communion with me. I thank the Lord for this experience and truth, and I wanted to know more and more aspects of him. And I could hear the rest of the song, I'm diving in, I'm going deep. And over my head, I want to be caught in the rush, tossed in the flow. And over my head, I want to go. The river's deep. The river's wide. The river's water is alive. So sink or swim. I'm diving in. I'm diving in. He protects. Verse 4. Even though I walk through the sunless valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod to protect and your staff to guide. They comfort and console me. Left to our own devices, we can take ourselves down very dangerous paths that are way off God's best for us. When you're going through really hard times and trials, it's important to remember to go through them with God and not alone. He will lead you to the places of safety and greater intimacy with Him and strengthen you by the lessons learned through them. For the believer who dies in the valley of death, it's not the end, but a portal to the high ground of heaven and the perfect presence of God. God will use your most difficult times to help you and help others work through similar ones. When I worked at Catholic Charities, I learned virtually every alcohol and drug counselor was a recovering addict. And I found that grief counselors had all personally been through tremendous grief stories. God never wastes any moment of your life. He is ever-present in the darkest of times. Let's talk for a minute about the rod and the staff and how they protect and comfort. The rod is a perfectly carved spear created specifically for the shepherd to use for protection against enemies. It is a symbol of strength, power, and authority. Its purpose is to keep the sheep safe. The rod is never used to hurt the sheep, but only its enemies. When a sheep would wander off in a dangerous direction, the shepherd could fling the spear close enough to startle the sheep, drawing its focus back on the shepherd, or use it to warn off or kill a predator. 
In the Experience Jesus podcast entitled Salvation, the Great Exchange and Your Inheritance Now, we learned that Aaron's budding rod spoke of his authority as the priest of Israel. As a child of God, it represents your authority to call on God's name for all your needs and pull down his power from heaven supernaturally. I remember one day when the Good Shepherd used his rod to get my attention with a startling redirection. It was the last day of 1985, a miserable year for me. I was in a relationship with a guy who verbally and physically abused me. As the daughter of the boss, I was underpaid and underappreciated at work. I had recently received a pamphlet about a master's degree in organization development. I really wanted to pursue this, but it looked out of reach. That day, the veil was removed from my eyes. The Lord showed me who I really was, and I had a renewed spirit about the next year. I was the daughter of the King of Kings, and I did not need to allow for abuse in my life. So I purposed in my spirit that I would not be mistreated again, beginning with the first day of 1986. To purpose something in your spirit means to decide something actively to put an action behind a belief. I was visiting a friend in Toledo for New Year's Eve, and with renewed commitment, I left Toledo that day on a New Year's Day mission to break up with my boyfriend, enroll in that master's program so that I could move out of that job as quickly as possible. On the drive, I got stopped by a police officer and got a ticket for speeding. I remember laughing, which confused the cop. I told him that it was okay. The enemy was just trying to rob me of my destiny, and no matter what, 1986 would be a good year. Nice try, Satan. It was a good year. That very day, I broke up with the boyfriend, and not long after that, I began the master's program. George and I got together and married in November of that year. At the time of this recording, we've been married over 34 years. I got my destiny back. The staff is used for gentle care of the sheep. It's a symbol of love and concern, a tool of comfort. The calm tapping of the sheep on their bellies gives them gentle direction. Sometimes it's used to lift a sheep that was stuck out of the pits or ravines. And since a newborn lamb cannot be touched by human hands, the staff hook is used to lift up a newborn lamb and bring it close to its mother for nursing. The Good Shepherd uses his staff so tenderly to show the way. These one-on-one encounters that you have with the Lord are a way of you being kindly guided by his voice. Isaiah 13, 21 says, Your ears will hear a word behind you. This is the way. Walk in it. Whenever you turn to the right or to the left. He defends. Verse 5a, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. When David wrote this verse, he was not referring to a meal that you would have with your enemies. The table here refers to a high plain, a flat area at the top of a mountain. This was the place that shepherds would lead their sheep in the late summer and early fall. A few months before, the shepherd would go up to the high plain and look for dangers, such as poisonous foliage or dangerous animal dens. He would prepare the land by removing the dangers and creating fences to protect the sheep before they get there. Our omnipresent Good Shepherd goes into your future and looks for dangers so that he may adjust your path in the present to avoid dangerous situations in the future. The closer you walk with Jesus, the safer you will be. Nothing escapes his eye. Nothing takes him by surprise. And he is able to equip you to handle anything you would need to face the future. 
When a young David shared with King Saul that he had killed the lion and the bear and that God helped him then and would help him now, these experiences prepared him to be able to face Goliath. He knew that his God was with him then and that he would be with him for these challenges too. Even truly dangerous situations in the natural are no match for God's umbrella of protection when you are walking according to his will. The closer you walk in alignment with the Good Shepherd, the more he is able to supernaturally defend you. There will be challenges and dangers, but remember that he is your defender. Always be proof in your life that you are following the Good Shepherd. Verse 6. Surely goodness and mercy and unfailing love shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall forever dwell in the house of the presence of the Lord. Properly managed sheep can be the most beneficial of livestock, but on their own they can be most destructive. They will eat things that will make them sick, they will get stuck in ruts, and lead other sheep astray. Those that follow the Good Shepherd leave blessings behind them. You think of your legacy. How will people remember you? Are you a person who leaves behind peace or turmoil? Are you known for your forgiveness or for your bitterness? Will they remember you for your contentment and joy or your conflict and frustration? Ultimately, the key question is, are your decisions motivated by love or selfishness? Sheep are known by their shepherd. Those who follow the good shepherd will leave behind faith, hope, and love, encouragement, inspiration. Their lives will be marked with contentment, satisfaction, and fulfillment having been empowered and energized by God's presence, and they will accomplish the purposes for which he has for them. Jesus shares how to follow. To follow me may seem like living an opposite world, but my scriptures clearly show you the way. Love is an act of obedience, a deliberate decision to follow my lead and not go your own way. This is always for your absolute best. It is a process of peeling the onion layers of you and all that gets in your way. Begin by letting go of the easy things first, like something that you know is out of your depth. And then with more time, with me, you'll move along to areas of surrendering deeper things. And the more you trust me, the more you will surrender even the familiar things. Following me means being willing to look different than the world. Standing up for righteousness in an unrighteous culture can be hard and takes courage. Humility is like a light that casts out your pride and sets you free from its shackles. I cannot come near pride. When you behave in prideful ways, you remove yourself from my protective umbrella. Living apart from me is bondage. Freedom is only found under my perfect care. When you learn to surrender to my will by letting go of your own, there is room for simply hearing and allowing me to direct your paths more closely. When you choose otherwise, it creates a static, and it's difficult for you to hear and see me clearly. Stop asking why when things are challenging for you and begin asking, who is my God? Learning how to cooperate with my will aligns you with the plans I have for you that leads you to satisfaction, fulfillment, and fruit-bearing that I have designed for you. Ask yourself this question, whose will am I following here? Is it mine or God's? Adjust your path accordingly. Remember that my will is always for your best. I am the Good Shepherd, and I laid my life down on the line for you as one of my beloved flock. Follow me, and I will lead you to life abundant. Okay, are you ready to meet and have an experience with the Good Shepherd? If this is your first podcast experience with us, you may want to go back to the trailer episode and learn about the biblical foundation for dialogue journaling, our process for experiencing Jesus. This leads you through the first special place encounter with Jesus as a child. This is a starting point for all of our experiences with Jesus. 
For best results, it is always good to properly posture your heart for your experience by welcoming Jesus' presence with praise and thanksgiving and playing with him in the special place as a child for a few minutes before asking for anything from him. In today's encounter, we want Jesus to show us the areas that we tend to wander and go outside the boundaries of his care and protection so that he can show us how to come back into his presence and under his umbrella of protection. And if necessary, he can even make us lie down in green pastures with him. So after you've postured your heart and played with the Lord for a while as a child, ask him to show you the areas of your life where you tend to wander off outside his will and protection. Allow him to clarify the boundaries of his care Allow him to show you how to lay those issues at his feet and surrender them. And if necessary, allow him to make you lie down in green pastures. Allow the Lord to show you or tell you or have you sense or feel what he is asking you to do and cooperate with him as he takes you to the green pastures that he has for you. Ask him to show you what he's doing right now behind the scenes so that you understand how he's working for your benefit in this area. This will help you surrender it to him. What lessons does he want you to learn from this season? Take as long as you need and make sure you record your entire experience in your journal. And please share any stories that you have with us at the bottom of this podcast comments. Pause the recording and take as long as you need with Jesus. I hope you were blessed by that encounter with the Good Shepherd and that you have learned how to follow him with greater alignment. And I hope you will join us on this podcast adventure. Follow this podcast and forward it to others that you think may be blessed by it. And check out all the links below. They are designed to take you deeper. I thank God for you and bless you in Jesus' name.